Hey, everyone, and welcome to another great show of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I am your host, Joseph James, and today we have an amazing guest. And let me just tell you before I introduce her what we're going to be talking about. This is a astronomical story, and like all stories we that we talk about have a pain or a pain point on this show, but also we believe in having victories, and we don't have to live in the pain for the rest of our life. But this is someone that um, during a very abusive marriage and trying to get out of this marriage. She was raising two children while also dealing with over $2 million worth of debt. She has a phenomenal story that she's going to be talking about today. Not only what she was able to get out of, but how she's been able to help and coach businesses that have gone through very similar situations and struggles, pain, challenges, adversities, and help them grow to get out of it. Welcome to the show, Miss Regina. Uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on, and we're just truly honored that you would uh, you'd share your knowledge with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to share. I'm excited to serve, and I think it's going to bring a lot of value to your listeners. I'm happy for that. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. So, Regina, let's, I mean, what in the world? You, you know, I mean, $2 million worth of debt, over $2 million worth of debt, raising two children, and abusive relationship. What? kind of take us back to, you, you know, this, this pain point that, that you learned and you figured out how to get out of what, what, take us back to that. You know, I, I've learned through this experience and by uh, serving and helping over a hundred uh, corporations reorganize through financial crisis that we're all much more capable than we think. We're all much more, uh, we're smarter than we think, we're stronger than we think. Uh, I think generally until life kind of brings us to our knees, we really don't test how, how far we can go. But the reality is we're all much more capable than we give ourselves, ourselves credit for. We really, really are. And I think for me, making a decision to leave the marriage when I was 29 was a matter of, is this, what I, is this the life that I want to remember at the end of my life? Like, is yeah. this the story I want to tell? Is this what I want my daughters to see? Is this the type of a marriage I want them to experience? Because if they end up in abusive marriages, I will have no say in any of it. I won't tell, I won't be able to have, tell them to leave or you can do better because they'll ask me, well, what about you, mom? So like it was such a bigger context than just me staying in it. It was, what about my daughters? What about their daughters? What about their daughter's daughters? So, like it was such a big concept for me. It wasn't just about me. And um Literally, you know, uh, I think it takes like a lifetime to get to a decision and then it takes a second to make it. And literally one day I just woke up and I was like, I'm just not doing this anymore. And I really, when people talk about they leave with nothing, like we had a real estate portfolio, a beautiful home, we had all of it. I literally, no joke, came home from work with the escort of a police because I went to the police and said, look, I just need to leave. I'm done. Like, this is what's happening put some of my clothes in a trash bag, put it in the back of my car, and I left. Like, I left everything. It's not like I took stuff. Like, I left. So that was kind of the beginning of the whole journey. And, uh, um, you know, people fight for stuff and things of that nature. And when my attorney said, what do you want? I said, I want my kids. He said, I don't think you understand. Like, there's stuff. Like, what do you want? I said, I don't think you understand. I just want my kids. Yeah. And granted, the reason I ended up in debt is because all of that stuff was in my name. 
So it's a full different story how I ended up with the debt. But um, I didn't care about any of it. I didn't care about the financial crisis that's going to come because my husband was very forthcoming. He set me down because I told him, like, I'm done. Like, I have nothing else to give you as a woman. I am done. Like, there is nothing left for me in this relationship. And if you want to live with me like a roommate, I said, I mean, how long are we going to last? Because don't you want somebody who wants to be with you? Because I'm not her. Like, I'm done. This is just horrible. And he set me down and he said, if you leave, I'm going to destroy you financially. I'm going to make sure you have no money. Like, I mean, he really laid out the game plan. It's not like it was a surprise. Like, we had a conversation. I said, look, you go for it. You do what you got to do. I'm going to do what I have to do. And it was like game on, basically. And that was quite, and that was quite a show, let me tell you. It took three years. So the whole divorce was three years. I just watched somebody to take my life apart, literally just take it apart. You know, um, he was collecting mortgages from a lot of properties that were in my name, uh, collecting rents, not paying the mortgages. The banks were calling me. The homes were going into foreclosure. He went to the foreclosure sales, bought them for like eight, 10 cents and a dollar. I mean, I watched my life be destroyed, completely destroyed. And the courts couldn't stop it. I mean, what are they going to do? You know, they tell him, no, he does what he does. And then that's it restraining orders, uh, I mean, the threats of kidnapping the kids. I mean, how long do you want me to go with this? How long, how much longer do you want me to say? It was, it was a quite a show. Yeah. Let me ask you this. When it came to, you know, because I've talked to other people and have coached other people that have been in the abusiveness, you know, verbally, physically. But when he sat you down and he sat there and, and threatened you, he was basically trying to use fear to dictate your decisions. How did you override that did you take it as a challenge of like because you did just say game on you know was that your mentality at that time or was there a lot of fear of like i don't know if i can do this you know or you're just like i don't care what happens you know a couple of things i've always had the personality of uh, i'm always going to be okay no matter what it's just it's just my wiring it's just my personality how i am i have a very high tolerance for chaos and fear I can be afraid and still do the things that I need to do. I think that's what makes me so extraordinary in navigating people through bankruptcies and financial crisis and in big corporations because like nothing scares me. Like I know it sounds crazy to a lot of people, but literally I'm like, okay, that's fine. But what's the solution? I'm very solution driven. I'm not problem driven. And because I'm not a problem driven, it's always okay. But okay, you said this, but what's next? And ultimately, but again, I was only 29 and I was still young. Uh, but ultimately it was, everything has a cost. What was the cost? The, the rest of my life being miserable because the kids are going to grow up. They're going to leave very damaged, obviously, especially for girls. And then I'm stuck with this. Or do I kind of walk through the fire, get this mess done with, uh, you know, uh, give it five, maybe three, five, seven years of my life to clean this up, but then have a life on the other side of it. So I think it's ability to measure. Yeah, I'm, I'm very logically dri- logical, uh, logic driven, so I can really quickly measure things and assess. Okay, what is this worth? What is this worth? Uh, what's going to hurt less? A lifetime of chaos, or maybe a decade of chaos? And then you right. can make a choice. Yeah, I, I love that, Regina, because I mean, it's like you were saying earlier, right when you started the show, is you know thinking about your girls and thinking about you know the life that you're going to live. Is this what I want to end? Is this what I want to have or live with when my life ends, so to say? And you were thinking legacy, you know, yeah, and absolutely. I don't know if you realized it at the time, but you were thinking legacy and, you know, and even hearing you talk now, it's just like, you know, 
the 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 difference between solution driven and problem driven. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the solution is the legacy, right? I want whatever it has to happen to get to the legacy that I desire for my life, the dream, the vision, the goal versus, oh my goodness, this is the problem that I have. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get through a problem? You know, it, it is problem solving, so to say, but ultimately without a goal in mind, there is no action, right? We, we can talk about things all day long, but unless we set something in, in place of, hey, this is not the way I want to live. That's a goal. It may not be broken down yet, but it's still a goal, you know? And from me growing up in a very abusive household, and I kept on having my mom and my older sister tell people or tell me, you're always going to be like your dad. Finally, just when the day I realized that I was walking in those footsteps of my dad, I just simply said, I don't want to be like my dad. And it just all broke off of me, like spiritually, like everything just broke off com- completely from me, you know, and growing up in a faith-based family, my, that was my prayer to God. I was like, God, I just don't want to be like my dad. And everything completely broke, the attitude, the, the, the hatred, you know, but I didn't know goals at that time. I just didn't want to be like my dad, you know, so. It's very true because, you know, like the decision came in an instant. That's what I was saying, right? The decision came in an instant. And also, I think we often talk about uh, what gifts that we want to pass on to our kids, what strengths, what knowledge, what education. We have all of these conversations, but we never talk about what trauma are we passing on to our kids. Yeah. Like what what bad mindset are we tra- what are we passing on to our kids? Like nobody wants to talk about that. We only want to talk from the empowered place. But I think that's also a conversation. What would I've passed on to my kids? That it's okay to be talked down to me, that it's okay for me uh, to work in the 15 hour days and he's actually stay home and says he can't find a job. Like what's okay? Like what am I, what am I teaching my daughters? And I think that was a, a big uh, wake up call for me as well, because ultimately I always knew since I was little, God made me for something great. I didn't know what it is, but I knew that. And I knew that in that environment, I could not thrive because I was moving along in life and expanding so fast. The gap also between us became too too big. You know, like if you're expanding at a certain pace and your partner is maybe like two, three steps behind, but they're always two, three steps behind, like they're still expanding at the same pace, that's okay. Yeah. But if you're gaining two steps and they're one and you're two, the gap, I mean, there is nothing left between between the, the people. So there was a whole, there was a different layer of, I'm just emotionally and mentally dying in this relationship. And I'm not even 30 yet because I've always been so hungry for a life and so excited for these things. I mean, listen, uh, by the time I was 40, I reorganized over a hundred multi-million corporations. I don't have formal training in education. I barely graduated high school. So somebody with my mental capacity, my emotional capacity, like I am hungry for life. And when I come home and I see this thing sitting on a couch, like nothing turns me on about that. Aside from the, the abuse and the bad behavior and things like that, even if that wasn't existing. But watching that when I walk through the door, it's just, what are we doing? You know, right. and again, I didn't want to pass it to my kids that it's okay to marry somebody who, like, I don't even know how to explain him to my children at this point. Yeah. So, wow. So you get through the divorce. I mean, you, you talked about it being long and drawn out. I mean, um, you know, how did you make it through that? Was it still your, your ability to, to think logically through for a solution versus the problem? 
Is that how you've always been? Is that how you've always operated? Well, first of all, is once it takes me a long time to make an, a life a life altering decision. Leaving a marriage was it took me about three years to make the decision because it was about you know first of all you hope somebody's going to change. Plus, I was young. I still believed in you know in in, in, ma in magic and miracles. People change all that stuff. I mean, at forty four, obviously nobody believes that anymore. At least not at that capacity, not at that level. But um, so it took me about three years to make a decision, and then. It was about once I make a definite decision, because I take my time, I'm not impulsive, I'm calculated. Once I make my decision, there is no going back. Like the decision is made, it's done. Now that it's done, what's the, again, logically, what's the other option? Sit here and cry about it? No, we're going to get through this. But there were days where I couldn't even get through a day. So it was, it was logically, okay, how are we going to do this? I have to go to work. I had a restraining order, so I got 100% physical legal custody. I have two kids, three and seven, uh, 10 and three, um, two different schools, two different sets of activities. I have clients up to, you know, seven to 12 companies at a time that are failing. I'm out of my mind. I'm not sleeping. I'm exhausted. I'm financially depleted no matter how much money I made. It just wasn't enough because I was trying to maintain the debt. It was so much. I was like, okay, I can't like even comprehend the next 24 hours. And then I would ask myself, what can you do? Like, I can live through an hour. Okay, what are we going to do this hour? And my life literally became an hour at a time. And sometimes, I know it sounds silly, sometimes it was like 15 or 30 minutes at a time because my emotional system couldn't process more than 15 minutes at a time because I was like, okay, I can function for 15 minutes, but 20 minutes pass, like I'm a mess. Okay, we're going to do 15 minutes and, th and then 30 minutes and then an hour and then maybe three hours. Okay, you're losing it again. Let's go back to 30 minutes. We're going to scale it back down. So it was very mechanical, very logical, very strategic, but I also have a personality of you do what you got to do. Okay. So you're in this mess. Now what? Now what? What are we going to do? We're going to cry about it. We're going to complain. We're going to take action. What are we going to do? Your daughters are watching you. What are you going to do? So wow. I think because I have that personality, not that it's easy for me, but I think I've never really submitted to fear where it prevented me from taking action. Not because I wasn't afraid, but because I always know that I, I can be afraid when people say, I can't do this. The reality is you can do this. You can get out of bed, brush your teeth and go outside. You can get in your car and drive to work. You can. We just choose not to because the fear is greater than faith. So when I would tell myself I can't do something, I would be like, okay, can you are you really not able to do this physically, like get out of bed and do these things? Or you're just not emotionally capable? Okay, I'm not emotionally capable. That means you're going to get out of bed. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to take your kids to school. You're going to make them, you know what I'm saying? So it was, it, was, it was very mechanical, but it helps me because when you can be mechanical, strategic, it takes the emotion, it puts the emotion to the side. Absolutely. And that and allows you, you said something very important, and we've never even had this conversation before, but when my father and wife passed away, you know, I didn't know what to do, you know, and I had three kids and someone just tell me, it's like, Joseph, you got to create a routine. You just got to be, you, you know, and you're, you're using the word mechanical and people kept on asking me, why is it the, why in the world are you able to smile after so much pain, you know? And to begin with, I just like, well, you know, it's God, right? You know, my relationship with God, but I knew for people that didn't have that same belief or core belief in, in, in God, that that would not mean much to them. Right. So mm -hmm. I really had to start breaking things down. And one of the things that I didn't realize I was doing, and you just literally shared it. So it was neat that you say it is 
when my wife had been diagnosed with cancer, I began to share on social media. I would do social media, uh, Facebook live videos, sharing our journey, things like that. And it wasn't until about 10 months after she passed that I realized I was grieving in 15 minute increments. Okay. And what that was one of the pillars of the coaching that when I first started was taking time to grieve because I, I kind of picture it like this. If it's misty, rainy outside, right? And it's like that all day gloomy weather, we feel like we want to stay in bed all day long. Like we don't want to do nothing. We just want to stay kind of bundled up in the bed because it's just that gloom, um, weariness um, uh, environment, right? Or atmosphere, okay? Well, if we're crying all day long, okay, then we stay in that mode or that mentality all day long. Mm -hmm. But if we do it in increments, like you said, you went an hour and then you had to back it up. I didn't realize I was doing it in 15 minute increments. And, you know, you, 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 what I would have to do is I would do my videos for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I'd cry. I'd share on social media. And then I'd have to go back in the house. I'd have to dry my tears because I had to now confront and be in front of my kids. I had to be in front of my wife. And not that I was egotistical and, and couldn't let them see a man cry is I had to be strong for my family in different moments. And if I was always crying, I knew they always would be. And I knew we couldn't live that way. And so I didn't realize until, uh, you know, months later that I was grieving in 15 minute increments and then I dry my tears. And then now that didn't, that didn't stop sometimes from one minute later of starting another 15 minutes of grieving, but eventually the 15 minutes got shorter and the time in between got longer, mm -hmm. you know, and we were able, I was able to get mechanical or get a schedule going when I didn't want to get out of bed after my wife and dad passed. I didn't want to do the things, but I knew I had kids and what was I going to teach them? Mm -hmm. You know, that number one, yeah, it's okay to grieve. You're going to have those moments. It's inevitable. You know, you go through an abusive relationship, you go through um, major debt, you go through somebody trying to destroy your life. You're going to have those moments. But take the moments, be strategic about it, have a plan. Hey, you know what? Listen, I know people right now that schedule grieving on their own calendar because otherwise they stay in that mode all day long and they get nothing done productive and whatever works for the individual, make it work for you, you know, and we both in our own ways found a way to properly grieve or grieve in a healthy way, you know, may not have been to begin with, but eventually we figured it out because I'm always yet to read the one book that solves all problems when it comes to grieving, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting point. Um, it, it's interesting because considering my relationship, you think I'd be so excited to leave, but I still had to grieve it. And until that paper piece of paper came with the signature, your divorce, um, I realized I'm grieving the idea of marriage. I still grieved it. I was happy to get away from the environment, but I still was grieving the fact that I became um, part of the statistic. I didn't want, I, I wanted to get married once. So oh. I still had a grieving process with that and you still grieve what could have been. So I think we all grieve. I mean, of course, your level of grieving was very different because of the loss of people that are so important to you. We all have our own level of that, our own, circum our own circumstances of that. But yeah, like you, like we talked about, the kids are watching. They, yeah. The children are watching. And I have to tell you, my daughters, they are solid. Like they're so strong. 
because they've watched me navigate something absolutely insane and they watch me be happy on the other side of it. So they, they, they've been exposed to something no children should be exposed to, but at the same time, they saw a strength of a human being. They saw a woman choose herself in spite of it. It's not like my divorce was great. It was split in 50-50 and he was 50% dad and everything was fantastic. Like my kids were being, my, my kids were under the threat of being kidnapped to a different country for God's sake. You know what I mean? So it's not like it was a smooth transaction here, but they saw what happens when you choose yourself. Yeah. Like I was like, God forbid if I go tomorrow, my daughters are going to be okay. They're 18 and 25 now. Like I'm not worried about them. Because I know that the things have passed on to them. I'm sure there is drama and trauma because of everything we've gone through. But of course. the the other side that I've passed on to them, I am proud that I chose me because I cho- I showed them how what it, what it looks like when you choose yourself. I chose them that when you choose yourself, a lot of times there will be chaos. People are not going to like it when you choose yourself. And that's also okay. Mm. It's okay to walk away. It's okay for people not to agree with you. It's okay for people to dislike you. It's okay for people not to understand. All of these are okay if you know you're doing what you're doing for the right reasons. And now, while my older one really went through a hard time because she was very close with her dad, she really hated me for leaving. Now she's 25. When I talk to her, I'm like, honey, do you understand that now? And do you understand why I made the decisions? And do you understand why I was so strict? Because I run my whole like military style. Do you, she goes, mom, I get it. She goes, I didn't get it then. But what I didn't do is I never let go of the grip on what I knew was right to do. I never listened to anybody. I never cared for people's opinion. I never let anything penetrate my mind, my body, my spirit, with what I know is true for my daughters and for myself. I was so firm and strong with that. There was a lot of voices outside of me, their opinions and what they think and that didn't matter. Yeah. I, st- I was so strong and convicted and steadfast in what I saw for myself and for my daughters that even when my daughters would tell me, I hate you, I mean, the typical teenage girl stuff, none of it mattered. I stayed the course. And now when I talk to them, they're like, we get it. We get it. And I was like, it would have been much easier for me if you got it sooner because you put me through hell and back. Right. But I'm so proud of myself that I never wavered from what I thought was right for my daughters and I, in spite of the fact that they're slamming doors and telling me they hate me, and in spite of the fact that everybody had an opinion. Like, I stayed the course. Yeah. And it was very hard. You know, a lot of the times when I speak, speak, people tell me, you're so powerful, you're so strong, you're so confident, all of this stuff, like, were you not afraid? I was extremely afraid. I think because I have a strong personality, people really don't believe how terrified I was. I was afraid. My tires were slashed. My kids were on the threat of kidnap into a different country. I had to put them on a, like a, on a, on a, a global alert. Like I, I had multiple restraining orders, not like for a few months, for years. It, multiple for short term and two, three or restraining orders. That's not, that's not an accident. The judge would just hand me on restraining orders because he saw what I was dealing with. I was terrified. I was very afraid. And my account overdrafted a million times in spite of the fact that I was making well into six figures because I was trying to pay everything and pay everyone and feed the kids and keep everybody sane. But I was very afraid, but it didn't change the fact that I had, a, that I had something to do here. Wow. And while my daughters were watching me, I had my clients watching me. They were counting on me. So I couldn't, I couldn't crumble even if I wanted to. I've got my daughters, I've got myself, I've got my friends watching me like, like a ticking time bomb, not knowing I'm gonna go off because I'm just it's too much. 
And I've got seven to 12 clients going through bankruptcy, millions in debt, their marriages are falling apart. Everybody hates them. Their employees are not getting, and I've got to fool them together, right? There was other team of people I was working with, but it was like the main character in the game. One of the main characters in holding people together. And I've got all of that. So what do you do? I was very afraid. I cried a lot. Just people didn't see me afraid. People didn't see me cry. That was like my personal time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that because you chose you and that is why you're at where you're at today is, is living empowered and living victorious? Not that everything's perfect because nothing will ever be, you know, but you chose you made the choice to choose you and of course your daughters right you know to live to 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 enjoy what you want or to go after that goal that you want that when you in life and you said if you were to leave today leave her today your daughters will be okay do you feel that that mentality and that that choice right there is why you're at where you're at mentally, but also have been able to bring your clients to that same level, that same degree of thinking? A hundred percent. I believe the society drills into us that choosing yourself is selfish. I believe that choosing yourself is not selfish. It is absolutely an absolute must. Because if there is nothing, if I can't even choose myself, what could I possibly teach you? Yeah. If I can even choose myself in a bad situation, what, what can I possibly enlighten you with? Like, what can I tell you or advise you on in this lifetime to make your life better? I have no, this is how I think about it. I have no place to speak if I'm not willing to make the move. I'll tell you something else. At the age of 40, I chose myself again. I worked with a mentor reorganizing these companies for 17 years. At the age of 40, what, what make you well into six figures with two kids? We parted ways because I felt God is calling me to the online space. There's people I want to serve here. And my income was cut from one to six figures cash with two people in Cal, with three people, two kids and myself, with three people being supported in California, which is one of the most, if not the most expensive state to live in. I woke up on Mar on February 24th, 2019 with zero income. I chose myself again and started from scratch. So I will always choose myself because that environment no longer, I don't, I didn't stop loving what I do, but I stopped loving it in under those circumstances. Not that there were bad, it just wasn't for me. I felt God like six months prior said, okay, like we're moving on. Like you've, you've learned everything you had to learn for those two decades here. Now we're going to go into the online space and serve people in a different capacity. And who does that? You're 40, you're making well into six figures. You got three people to support and you wake up with no, with no income. That, that was a conscious decision. We're not falling out with the mentor, but I had the option to stay. And I was like, I've outlived my, my time here. Yeah. Would, I mean, talk about a high tolerance for chaos and fear, right? And my friends were like, this is crazy. And you're crazy. And I'm like, I want stories to tell at the end of it. Yeah. And now... We're into, you know, six figures cash over here in the online space. Uh, I mean, who does that? I do that. I'm not saying everybody should. You have to have like a really high tolerance for, for chaos and things like that. But I do and I'm grateful for it because I have experiences because of that. I live a life that I really want. You know, my daughters are not 25 and 18. We're about to drop up the 18-year-old. She got a full ride into Boston University. And I, I want to travel. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not tied to anything. Yeah. And I just want to experience. I've never lived my life. I've been always for some with you know, doing stuff. So I'm going to continue my mentoring, but I can do this globally. I can work from my phone. I have created this for myself, but I've only created this because I was willing to hold the fear, to hold the pain, to hold the projections of other people, to hold the opinions of other people. That is the, I, for me, the, the scariest thing, to be honest with you, is to get to the end of my life and God showing me what I could have been. Talk about hell. This is what you were. This is what you could have been. And if those are not close to being reconciled, then I, I will feel like I've wasted my, my time here. So if that means going against the grain, if that means people not understanding me, if that, may be, if that means me being called selfish for choosing me, if that means all of those things, God bless you. I can hold the opinions and projections, but I'm still going to live a happier life than perhaps a lot of people will allow themselves to experience just because there is fear and all of that stuff. I get it. It's a matter of choice, logical choice. What do you want? How do you want to live? What are you going to tell your kids? How are you going to impact the bloodline? Like what stories are people that, how much, how long after you're gone, people are still going to talk about you. Yeah. That matters to me. Yeah. You know, my grand, last thing I want to say to you, my grandfather was, he practically helped me raise my daughters. He's my grandfather. He's a grand grandfather of the kids. And now they want to go get, they constantly talk about him. They even want to go get a tiny tattoos to kind of, um, uh, on the tiny tattoos, they're, they're asking me to get on, I'm not into tattoos, but just to continue remembering him. Yeah. Can you imagine the impact somebody makes that their grand grandkids want to do that and will, and if they actually get tattoos, their kids will ask, what does this represent? For three generations at the minimum to continue talking about you, that was one hell of a life. How many people actually get that? But he always lived. He actually taught me and trained me to live this way. It was him. He always told, told me, no matter what happens, you always know you're going to be okay. And as long as you have the drill, he told me, as long as you have it drilled inside in, into your mind, into your nervous system, you're always going to be okay. Do whatever you want to do. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody. But right. do whatever makes you happy. That, that was his biggest lesson to me. And I gave it to my daughters too. That's lovely. That's lovely. Um, so how... Tell me what you're doing with your clients now and how, what you, how by choosing yourself has been able to cultivate the businesses and the things that you're doing now with other companies. So I work with a lot of uh, online businesses now, but it's starting to be more because I'm doing more business podcasts, more people are coming offline as well. Really building their companies in a way that makes them happy, scaling their businesses, building their companies in a way that makes them happy. But the interesting thing is, a lot of it ends up being personal development work because your company, your business uh, is just a reflection of the decisions that you make. Yeah. The, the profitability either resembles your fears and insecurities and doubts or your profitability resembles your level of bravery and commitment. That's a number is just a byproduct. It's just a reflection of your decisions. It's not just numbers don't just happen. They're simply a byproduct. So a lot of people that come to me, we end up, believe it or not, like restoring their entire life. I just finished working with the client, worked here for a year. We moved her out. First of all, she came in a bad relationship. We got her, we set up multiple streams of income, paid over $30,000 worth of debt and moved her into a separate place from a, and got her away from an alcoholic, narcissistic, abusive relationship, both her and her, and her two kids while building multiple streams of income. So people come to me for business. 
But God's using you for both in my life and business strategies. I can't get away from that. I know both. So I understand people and I understand money. And we're working with another woman right now. She lost full custody of her kids just because the country that she's in. And now we're fighting the custody. We're fighting the system. We're coming up with while we're navigating her seven-figure brand and global brand and completely reposition the whole thing. So while people come to me for money, they're like, wait a minute. I actually have a life that you can help me correct. What that's that's wow. I don't know how else to explain it. Wow. You, you know, and it, it's crazy because, of course, the title of the podcast is Purpose Through Pain, right? And a lot of people don't get it. A lot of people don't understand why they've gone through pain. And and you know, for me, I realized my why the night my wife passed away. I never had to ask God why did my wife die. I was never mad at God, never angry at anybody because I feel like I gained my why the night, okay? You know, not everybody understands their why. I didn't get my why um, when my mom passed away in 2005 until several weeks later, you know, but a lot of people just don't understand. They, they start to question the problem, right? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Why is this instead of, you know, and... I'm going to make this sound easy, even though I know it's not, is sitting back and just waiting, going through the, the painful process, going through the circumstances and learning to understand why you went through it. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I know that you would say this now, I, you know, because I know I said it is you look back at what you're able to do in terms of god using you to change the lives of other people you could probably say wow everything that i went through was totally worth mm -hmm. it wasn't fun you know well it was very painful but i know that when people message me and they're like wow you changed my or you've helped change your life my life or you sharing the love for your wife while she was dying helped change my marriage even though it hurts i can still sit there and say god it was worth it it was worth every bit of yeah. it. Yeah. Would I still love to have my wife back? Of course I would. I, I would never not say that, you know, but where my kids are at now, the relationship that I'm in now, you know, none of those things would have ever happened if what losing my wife and also the way I am now as a young, as a, as a man, not a young man, you know, um, but as a 44 year old and knowing and understanding the things that I do and, and the belief systems that I have ultimately came from even my dad and understanding the influence that he had on me. And even though it was painful, everything's been worth it, you know? And I just believe that there is always, even though we may not understand it to begin with, it may take a year to learn, may take two, may take three, I don't know, but there's always a purpose through pain. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I think, I mean, I can only speak to my, uh, lived experience. Um, I think, I don't know how people navigate when they actually lose a child. So I, I absolutely, I, I would never even dare uh, speak to that. But there, for the most part, there is a purpose. Like when it's not that much of a critical situation. Um, but I think for me, what I learned, I'm only going to speak for myself because this is a touchy subject with abusive relationships. Um, for me, I had to not just understand the purpose, but what I decided to do, again, disclosure for myself is that I took responsibility for the relationship. And when I first said it, somebody said to me like, this is crazy and you're nuts. And this is just insanity. 
I said, listen, if I don't take full responsibility for choosing the wrong man, because everybody told me he's not, he's not a good guy. I was 17 when I met him. What do, what do I know? Right. Everybody, t- it's not like everybody hid it from me. Everybody told me. So, and I realized that if I don't take the responsibility for choosing the wrong man, I will choose the same guy again, because it's not, he, it's not my fault. It's everything is his fault. He's the bad guy. And I realized I am not willing to relive that experience. So for me personally, by taking responsibility for choosing the wrong guy and avoiding red flags and not paying attention, I have never in my life been in a bad relationship since then. The relationship didn't work out, but I have never been in a relationship since then that I've dated where I was mistreated, disrespected, spoken down to, none of that. Because I was so crystal clear on where I went wrong and where I allowed certain things. So for me, there's purpose to the pain. There is all of that stuff. And um, by taking responsibility, I got to tell you, I took, it made me happier. I know it sounds crazy. It really made me happier. It was like, okay, the light bulb is on. I know what not to do. And a lot of times it's not about knowing what to do. It's about knowing what not to do. I'm like, I know how to avoid this again. And I've never in my life had, because sometimes we get into the pattern of, say, relationship, not understanding why is this happening? Why? Well, often we choose the pattern. We continue with the pattern. So the moment I took responsibility, I broke the pattern. And I've never had that experience again in my life, ever. Wow. Wow. Regina, you, you know, it's, it's different to have your message on here just simply because like you're the first person that's talked about choosing yourself, you know, and I think it's, it's remarkable that you did, you know, a lot of people say, well, I did it for my kids, you know, and strong, legitimate reasons. Sometimes that's our wise, our children, right. Or other circumstances, but you know, even though your children were part of your mind and your decision at the time, you ultimately did it still for you. You had to choose you because at the end of the day, it's like the whole airplane thing, right. You know, if the oxygen mask comes down, you know, it, it says put it on yourself first, you, you, you know, because if you can't take care of yourself, you'll never be able to take care of anybody else, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, I like what you said earlier about society does paint the picture that if we're taking care of ourselves, we're selfish, you know, but mm-hmm. yet you talk to people that are, are prosperous. And I'm not talking about just financially. I'm talking about wealthy. I'm talking about health. What will they always say? Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins. They will always say the best investment you can ever make is the investment on yourself. That's right. It doesn't matter right. how it is, whether it's financial yeah. investment, whether it's uh, you know personal development and knowledge, whatever the case is, health, uh, working out, the best you will always ever do. And it's just like in leadership, you can't, I don't believe that you can truly lead other people to places that you've never led yourself to go. Yes. And also, I think that choosing yourself, a lot of it comes from being afraid of what people are going to think and say. We're all, uh, as a society, we're, we're terrible victims of what will other people think. For me, it's, is this right with God? Yeah. Okay. Check mark there. I don't care about anything else. Not because I don't care, but if it's right with God, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to hurt anybody. And people's opinions, everybody's got an opinion. Oh, are you going to like live out everyone else's opinion? What are you going to do? And again, it's 
I don't believe being selfish is selfish. I, I believe that, um, look, I want to be happy. This is the only life I have. That's the bottom line. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. I, I've told all of my friends who had an opinion, please don't tell it to me. Swear to God, I told them, you guys want to talk behind my back? Knock yourself out. I just don't care. Don't tell me your opinion. If I'm interested, I promise you I will come ask you. But I have the, um, I just, I've always had that level of confidence to tell people, look, I, don't tell me what you think. If I need to know what you think, not because I'm rude, but because everybody, here's the bottom line. Everybody will only advise you based on their level of fear. Yeah. Based on their level of insecurity, they're based on their past trauma, based on their self-esteem issues. It's like people are saying, I've asked my mom, who's been an employee all her life, if I should go start a business. And she said, no. Well, what do you think she's going to tell you? She's been an employee all her life. You know what I mean? Like, it's a whole different mentality. Stop asking people what they think about how you should live your life because they're just projecting their unresolved stuff onto you. 100%. 100%. So how do you want to live it through? And again, um, I want to be happy and I'm going to be happy and people can get on board or not. That is, uh, and in spite of all of that, I still have the same, the same huge circle of best friends that I've had since that I met since I immigrated to the United States. So clearly my way works. It Nobody's worked. Left. It worked. Regina, before we end the show, what would you leave with people? If you can give them one huge tip or even two tips of advice off of this, and I know we've talked about a couple of different things, what would you want to leave with people? You know, like I said earlier, uh, at the end of uh, two things. Number one, if you had a chance to relive today, so like it's nine o'clock at night, you're getting ready to go to bed. If you had a chance to relive today, would you have lived it the same way? Ask yourself, it's a really good question. At the end of the day, I ask myself, could I have lived today better? And the answer is always yes. Could I have been braver? Yes. Could I have done more? Yes. Could I have been maybe better with God? Yes. So ask yourself. And the other thing is, if you get to the end of your life, and like I said, God shows you what you could have been and which you are, will you be happy? Because one thing I want to add to that, I remember talking to a client, a construction company, in a different state. And he was like, I don't want to do this. And I want, this sounds hard. And with just all of this complaining, big commercial construction. I said, look, man, you're going to get to a place in your life where you're going to be too damn tired and old to do anything. And you will wish you had the problems of today. Yeah. We're all going to get to a place where we're going to be too damn tired and old to do anything. And we will wish we had the problems of today because you're still yelling. You can get, get out of bed and walk and talk and brush your own hair and, you know, wipe your own butt. You know what I'm saying? Right. And don't take it for granted. Like, what, what, I don't understand what people are waiting for. Like, everybody's waiting for something. Like, bro, literally, what are you waiting for? Mm. That, that's my thing. Just go for it. If, if, if it's right with God, whatever you want to do, I mean, go live your life. If it doesn't work out, go to the next thing. The next thing. Like, my life is filled with things that didn't work out. Big deal. I'm still smiling. So what? That's it. That's it. But it's also full of things that did work out. Of course. Well, that's what matters. Love it. Love it. Regina, tell us a little bit about your coaching business and, and if people do want to reach out, how they can uh, to reach out and get in contact with you. Yeah. Social media, you know, Fred, Facebook, Instagram, my e email address, just Regina at reginaglobinas.com. Um, like I said, people hire me as life and business strategist, life and business mentor. Um, people come to me for business and we end up changing their entire life, their, um, their, their level of confidence, their, how they just 
navigate their lives, their relationships, because it's, it's all of it. I'm a business strategist through and through, but in order for me to really help you build a successful, profitable company, uh, we got to get your mind right. And interestingly enough, people are now reaching more to me for life coaching and relationship coaching because they're hearing me speak through d- d- different ways and they're like, okay, she gets it maybe. So I mentor people in the life and business. Love That's it. That's really how God's using me. Love it. Now, do you, uh, have you written any books or do you have any published articles on anything? No, just not. Lots of great information on Facebook. I've been uh, been scrolling through it the last day and just a lot of podcasts. If people Google my name, there's a million podcasts. They do a lot of business podcasts. No, mm-mm. I'm not great at writing. Speaking is my is my way to communicate. So I leverage what I'm good at. Yes, absolutely. Well, Regina, thank you so much, guys. Do not hesitate to reach out to her. She has walked it. She's lived it. She's experienced it, and she's come through it. And you know, she said earlier about walking through the fire, and I had this I had this saying, you know, when you're walking through the fire, there's only two things that can happen. You can either be destroyed by it or refined by it. The choice is ours. And this lady right here chose to be uh, refined by the fire. And so we're thankful for that. Regina, thank you so much for coming on the show. I greatly appreciate you. Thank you. It was a pleasure.